0: Hi, I'm Sarah, and I will be reading the Bible today. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and the disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him.
1: position in ministry was um, in youth ministry and then youth in young adults ministry and so I was very commonly asked the question what do you look for in a life's partner and top of my list was always a growing person because if a husband and a wife a man and a woman are going to come together you want to grow together now discipleship and that's today's topic Walking with Jesus is about a relationship between two people. And if you're going to walk with Jesus for the rest of your life, then you need to be a person who's going to grow, to be transformed, to be changed more and more into the likeness of Christ. So today is the third and our final in the series, and our final postscript. We've looked at conversion, How do we bring others into God's story? We've looked at forgiveness. When people from within God's story have been unfaithful, um, when and how do we invite them back into God's story? And today I wanna focus on discipleship. How is it that we grow as actors of God's story? How can we more faithfully stick to the script? How can we be more influential as salt? How can we shine brighter for Jesus, how can we look more like him so that we're imitating and reflecting him? Now, the word discipleship is not new, but it's a word that's come a little bit more into vogue of late. So on the screen here, I've got something called Google Ngram, and what it does is it tracks the usage of a word. And you can see that in the past 20 years look at so, the blue line, the, the word disciple is being used more often And the red line, discipleship, is also on the increase. And so if you go to Kurong or you survey the church growth literature, there's plenty of books out there about discipleship. But before we go to the current literature, we need to go back. What is a disciple in the first century? Um, And what are our 21st century assumptions when we hear that word? Secondly, we're going to look at how do disciples grow? And we're going to look at, of course, the Bible. And there's some recent research that's just come out, and we'll uh, survey that as well. And then thirdly, how are we going to do discipleship here at Dapto anglican How are we going to encourage one another to grow as we seek to live out God's story? Well, let's pick up with Matthew Uh, and his account of Jesus calling the first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They're casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. That's a very simple definition of a disciple. Somebody who follows Jesus. And then Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. You guys follow me, and then invite other people to follow me as well. Disciples who make disciples. People who follow Jesus, who invite others to follow Jesus. That's the really simple definition, and we're going to expand upon that. But if that's all you get from today's message, that's a fabulous foundation. That's Jesus' invitation to Peter and to Andrew. Now, Jesus is not the only person who's using this word disciple. And he's not the only rabbi or teacher who has disciples. Um, It's a common term in Judaism. And so Paul, in Acts 22, considers himself a disciple who studied under Gamaliel. So Paul would have gone to the synagogue until about the age of 13. And he would have been one of the star pupils and Gamaliel would have tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, what about if you become one of my disciples and I will teach you? So the word disciple or in Greek, it's mathetes. So the name Matthew really um, is a play on the word disciple. Methetes, it, it means a student or a pupil or if you want a contemporary word, an apprentice. It's not a booky sort of a learning. it's something that you do um, in practice. You get your hands dirty or or an inherent or a follower, and a, a disciple follows a teacher or a rabbi. So in our uh, world, you become somebody who's studying a topic. you know I, I'm an engineer or I'm a psychologist or I'm studying teaching or but in the first century. A disciple follows a person, a teacher, or a rabbi. And rabbis would choose their pupils. Like Paul, all Jewish boys went to the synagogue, and at the age 13, most did a bar mitzvah or all. Then they went back to work, except for a select few, handpicked by the rabbi, who said, you're exceptional, you're above average. What about if you become one of my disciples? And a rabbi or a teacher might have an itinerant ministry. They might move around from town to town, and when they did, their disciples would follow them. Of course, when we use the word disciple, the most common passage that comes to mind is Matthew 28, where Jesus says his last words in his Matthew's gospel, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, here's the promise, when we're at disciple-making, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So let's try to summarize. A disciple or one of Jesus' disciples is a student or an apprentice or a sheep following a good shepherd, following a teacher or a rabbi, and Jesus is Savior and Lord. And Jesus calls people, he says to Matthew, to Simon, uh, to Peter, to um, all of the 12, come follow me. And Jesus calls people and and they form a community. Um, They form a family. Um, At one point he calls them his brothers and his sisters. And following Jesus, comes with costs and with benefits. Take up your cross and follow me. Uh, my disciples should follow me. Leave your family behind, leave the dead behind. Let the dead bury the, bed, the dead. Follow me and you will find life and find life to the full. Jesus will calm the storms or he will give you a burden, a yoke that's easy. So disciples are followers of Jesus who in turn make other disciples now we're used to the word disciple and we tend to think oh there's 12 disciples and then when Jesus ascends well Judas dies but he's replaced by Matthias and and so we have still got 12 and the 12 disciples become the Apostles and they kind of become the leaders of the early church and so perhaps in our mind we kind of make this jump from disciples hold a particular office a little bit like clergy who hold an office and they sort of become the leaders of churches. And I wanna say that 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 thinking is helpful, but also unhelpful, because the word disciple is not exclusively used of just the twelve. In John six, for instance, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, we read these words, on hearing, this, that you actually have to feed on Jesus, eat his uh, flesh and drink his blood, many of the disciples, the 5,000 who have followed Jesus up to the top of the mountain, are called his disciples. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus says, and and many of the disciples turn away. So in, in a more broad sense, the word disciple is not just the 12, but it's anybody who's following Jesus. In Acts 1, uh, on the occasion where they're replacing Judas, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So, in some sense, we can talk about the 12, but in another sense, there are 120 disciples who follow Jesus in Acts 1. And so, a disciple is anybody who follows or imitates or reflects Jesus. It's anybody who enters into that sort of broader sense of communion, of community with, or who entrusts themselves to the rabbi, or who commits themselves to learning his teaching, who who hears his words, who listens and who obeys. So we can kind of make a jump and in some sense, all of us are disciples, whether or not we hold an office in church, whether or not we're in full-time ministry, or whether we're just a general member of the congregation. So we thought about what a disciple is. How do disciples grow? Because disciples are meant to follow Jesus. They're meant to walk more and more in his footsteps. They're meant to come into his presence and be changed. So what does the Bible say about how disciples grow? Well, let's go to Mark. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. So Jesus calls his disciples and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. That's the first way that disciples grow, simply by being with Jesus. And then he sends them out and they have uh, to preach and they also have authority to drive out demons. Let's come back to that in a moment. But firstly, disciples grow by being with Jesus. It's almost by osmosis. Somehow Jesus rubs off on you. It's like salt. If Jesus is... Salt. Then, then we become more salty just by being with Jesus. If Jesus is light, then somehow by following him, we are um, influenced that his light shines into our dark places and, and we are transformed as we come more and more into the light. Or as we walk and follow Jesus, We're following certain footsteps in certain directions on certain paths, and we're avoiding other paths. Simply by being with Jesus and by following him, we become more like him. But the 12 are also sent out in both Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples. And, and they grow, there's 70 or 72 of them, they grow by practicing ministry. In some ways, almost before they're ready. They are apprentices, a great word. And so disciples speak, and they do. I love it there, that phrase, that the disciples have to preach and have authority to drive out demons. My guess is that if you, said, what are the two things that disciples have to do? We'd go, okay, maybe preach and maybe care for the poor or maybe perform miracles or maybe lead music or, but here, second on the list is drive out demons. Uh, Have you noticed in this series, we've highlighted certain dimensions of the divine drama, the story that we don't readily notice. And the point here is that Jesus is saying, My disciples bring my kingdom. They bring my authority, and that authority overpowers other stories, other authorities. Um, people who submit to my story are freed from the influence of counter narrative and it's lies and the demons who sit behind those lies and that's what happens when you live out a story there's an authority and a narrative that goes with that so that's what disciples do they grow by being with Jesus and then by bringing his kingdom and uh, the practicing of that Um, transforms us. Even if we're apprentices and we don't fully get it and we make mistakes, simply stepping out and bringing the kingdom helps us grow. Well, in Matthew 8, we read this scripture. Um, There's a teacher of the law who wants to come to Jesus and to follow him. Now, you would think this would be a star convert, right? One of the uh, highly respected Jews who... Uh, wants to say, actually, Jesus, I will follow you. I, he was going to transfer his discipleship, his adherency from, from the chief priests or the teachers of the law. And he says, now, Jesus, I'm going to become one of your followers. You would think this would be an awesome recruit. Jesus could get him on a platform and get him to give his testimony and, and that might win others. And, and Jesus' response is, foxes have dens and birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then another disciple says, yeah, I'll follow you, but I've got to go first bury my father. And Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own. There's a cost when you follow Jesus. You have to leave things behind. You have to give up things. There's a lack of certainty and security in 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 material things, in physical things, in financial things. That's not where your certainty is. Your certainty is in Jesus. And so there are costs, there are crosses to bear and to carry when you follow Jesus. Having said that, immediately following the passage that we just read, where Jesus says, yeah, there are costs if you're following me, then the disciples go out onto the lake and there's a storm. and, And we all know about storms in life, And Jesus calms the storm. Jesus is somebody who brings refuge and peace and life and um, hope if you follow him as well. And so disciples grow by, yes, sharing in Christ's sufferings, but as we lean on Jesus through suffering and we find refuge in him, they actually are the times of the fastest growth. Has that been your experience? Certainly been mine. And we could say many other things, but let me say just one more. Um, In John 13, Jesus uh, arrives with his disciples. They're all thinking, well, who's gonna wash the feet? And then Jesus does it. And at the end he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So disciples follow Jesus' example of being servant-hearted. And when they do that, they grow. So there's some biblical data about what disciples do to grow. Well, what about if we look at some contemporary research? And in Australia, we have quite a lot of research. The NCLS National Church Life Survey has been considering um, and asking Christians for decades now, um, do you feel like you're growing? And if so, what things correlate with growth? And the Sydney Anglicans have actually just uh, completed a similar survey uh, about a month ago. And here's some of the findings of such surveys. That when people say, I feel like I'm growing as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, here are the other things that happen to correlate with people who self-report as growing. Highest on the list is They enjoy church services that explain, that inspire, that challenge, that have practical application, music that lifts their soul. Second most common correlation is a sense of belonging, a sense of making new friends, of being connected into the body, just like Jesus and the 12 forms of community so too when we feel like we're part of a body, that correlates with growing as a follower of Jesus. Thirdly, people identify leaders, leaders who inspire, who encourage innovation, who think outside the box, who help people to find and use their gifts. That's the third most common correlation. And then the fourth is personal devotions although in the NCLS that wasn't quite as high, but people who are practicing a quiet time or who have spiritual disciplines. And it's not just kind of if I have one of those, that there's no silver bullet, there's no if I just do one thing that guarantees I will grow. Actually, people who grow have a combination of spiritual habits and practices and routines, and somehow the combination of those um, connects or correlates with people who are growing. Have you noticed some things that are missing off that list? Some things we might kind of expect to be there. Because here's what the surveys also showed. We assume, I think, that people grow when they're in growth groups. I mean, that's what we call them, growth groups, right? Their name suggests that if you grow to one, go to one of those, you'll grow. But actually surveys suggest that growth groups are not as high a cause or they don't correlate as highly with people who are growing as what we might anticipate. And it's certainly the case that if you just go to a growth group and nothing else, that's unlikely to correlate with growth. There's no one silver bullet There's no one thing, nor is it um, if you attend lots and lots of stuff that that correlates as well. So I think what we're finding in the research is that people who attend church, who belong, who have spiritual rhythms, and who do a number of things, and growth groups are a good thing to do and they can be a part of a healthy mix, they are people who report that they are growing. All right, so we've looked at what is a disciple, We've looked at how disciples grow. I just want to spend the remainder of our time explaining to you how it is that we're going to be proactive, we're going to be intentional about helping you be a growing disciple if you're a regular member who calls Dapto Anglican your home church. And I'm going to use it, do it using this little diagram here. And it's a diagram that suggests that there are different pieces of the puzzle to your discipleship matrix. And the first one I wanna highlight is up. Up, because that was actually the one that correlated most highly. And maybe because up in this series is number one on the job description, right? Reflecting God, um, being in communion with him and somehow reflecting his likeness back to others. So what do we mean when we use a word like up? Well, I think we mean things like worship, prayer, Bible reading, hearing from God and connecting with him, encountering him, it might be in communion. So I wanna suggest to you that growing disciples have up habits up routines, up practices. They regularly find themselves in church where they're worshiping. They might regularly be praying. They might be regularly reading scripture either in their private devotions or um, with friends or as part of their growth group. Um, They're in tune and hearing God. They're, They're at church where they celebrate communion from time to time. That's an important dimension of a growing disciple. Secondly, In. Remember what correlated second? It was a sense of belonging and a sense of making friends. And and Jesus invites the 12 and they become a community and and they kind of go on road trips together. Um, And so when we talk about the in dimension to church, um, we tend to be talking about things like pastoral care or the relational side of small groups. Or our men's and women's ministries are ways that we connect. Or best is yet. Or people come and hang out in the cafe and there's a real sense of belonging and being part of the social fabric of that Do Anglican Church out there in the foyer. Or Rise is another example of a ministry where people come and they connect. And I wanna say to you that in is a different grouping It's a different way of thinking about how it is that we grow as a disciple. As is out, and out ministries are about how we um, reflect God to to a lost and to a broken world. And the sort of ministries we're talking about here are preschool or play patch or creative connections. There's some wonderful out ministry that happens in our church. Scripture, we have a history of teaching scripture in, uh, what is it, seven or eight primary schools, I think, and and two high schools, and there's a wonderful heritage there. Um, Schools ministry, um, lunchtime groups or breakfast clubs, our cross-cultural ministry, uh, mission connections with with Indonesia, um, with um, Chile, um, with CMS. Um, These are all ways that we invite other people to be disciples and to follow Jesus. And then lastly in the center, we have the core. And I'm talking here about the things of, of us, our identity, understanding who we are in Christ and keeping in step with the spirits um, and, and being in tune with his voice. And I'm talking here about quiet times or mentoring or the kind of disciplines that we have as individual disciples, um, disciples have disciplines, right? From the same root word. So, this diagram I want to suggest to you is a is a helpful matrix for just identifying the core things that a healthy disciple does. And here's the kind of thing I envisaging us doing in 2021. You're going to sit down with someone. Perhaps you'll do it as part of your growth group or perhaps one-to-one or um, perhaps you might just kind of uh, do it informally with somebody. And and perhaps you'll come up with something like this. We'll call this David's 2021, that should be Discipleship Plan. And I'm going to, for myself, just identify something I wanna do in each of those areas. So I might say to myself, I'm gonna make the 7 p.m. community my regular faith community. I'm gonna get to church as often as I can because I know that that correlates with being a growing disciple. Um, So I'll write down 7 p.m. in my up triangle. And then in terms of in, um, I might think, well, in 2021, I wanna join a DNA group. Now, I haven't explained what they are yet. They're a new thing we're going to experiment with in 2021. It's an alternate to a growth group, Um, but uh, we can worry later about what it is, but I've got something there in that part of the triangle. I'm going to experience the blessings and the benefits of belonging and connecting and being accountable in a DNA group. And then I'm going to have an out, an out ministry, an, an out dimension to my discipleship path. And you know what, I've chosen there something that actually isn't put on by DAC. Um, DAC has a soccer team, but <clears throat> in 2021, I wanna hang out with guys my age because I'm a more um, fitting advocate for people who have life experiences similar to mine. And so I'm gonna go and play masters soccer for a non-Christian club and hang out with non-Christian guys. And that's gonna be my intentional mission field. And so that's going to be my out. That's how it is that I'm going to try and reflect and um, be Jesus to a bunch of people who don't know him. And then in the middle, we've got core. And as a core discipline, I want to give up something for Lent in 2021. And that will be something that we'll do as an entire church. We, we want to practice the discipline of Lent Um, in 2021, and then maybe in 2022 we'll practice a discipline, a different discipline. But can you see how this triangle serves as a little map, just a, a, a little grid where I can kind of have a plan for how it is that I'm going to follow Jesus and take some intentional steps in four areas of my life so that I might be growing to become more and more like him. In 2021, we want to invite all of you to have your own little D plan that will mirror something like what I've just suggested. Well, there you go. That's discipleship. We've seen what it was in the first century, um, how disciples grow in scripture and um, through some research. And I've given you a bit of a taste as to how we're going to have a discipleship strategy, a D plan for everyone, um, everyone who wants to have one. You you get to write your own and you get to own it. Um, We wanna give you responsibility. We wanna empower you so that you can take the steps um, that you believe and you know you ought to take. Well, let me close with this thought. I began by noting that Jesus said to Simon, and to his brother Andrew, follow me, and then I'm gonna make you fishers of men and invite other people who will also follow me. And it reminds me of the words of Paul, also a beautiful, clear, simple definition of discipleship. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Wouldn't that make a great motto for us in 2021. God bless.